Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and hey, thanks for tuning us in tonight. It is a privilege. We thank God for all of you that tune in each week, and we've got a great show for you tonight. We're excited that you're with us, that we can share, hopefully, some information, some direction, and most of all, like we always say, we can encourage you to make today a better day, this a better week, and all the way to November, (laughs) a great call on your life. So again, I'm Pastor Joe Schofield. It's a privilege to introduce you quickly to each of our co-hosts who are just a blessing in my life, my favorite people in the world. And uh, we go across the country very quickly as we spread the the 50 states with our our folks. Uh, We start in Southern California with my friend of over 50 years, Dr. Paul Hall, who's a retired Mm -hmm. pastor and theologian who, as we often say, theologues every week. There's no such word as that, but we've got it sounding so impressive. People are actually writing it down everywhere. So Paul will share with us from his experience, uh, and he's a blessing in everyone's life uh, all through California. He's been quite a pastor here. Then also, when we go to, I'm going to start in Central America next. Central America, the great state of Texas. (laughs) We have one of our favorite pastors, Pastor Ron Greer, who actually just about ran for Congress years ago from up north, uh, Wisconsin or somewhere there. And he's been a pastor. He's a Marine. He's a godly man. He is a very special leader in the uh, Men in the Mirror, Man in the Mirror, who's a special men's discipleship. And he instructs and helps and coaches and loves and teaches men every week across all 50 states on how to be all that they can be for their family, for the Lord, for their lives, for their job, and can be all they need to be. He's a great man of God. We love you, man. Glad you're here. And then also, all the way used to be in, in a close by, I'll let them say a word in a minute on that, but uh, two of our favorite people we have, actually, I'm just going to say, we think the world's best health coach and wellness coach in the whole wide world, Stephanie, she uh, walks with the Lord, and from her heart, she helps people not only to know what to eat and what to do, but at the same time, she helps them to um, establish great habits that lead to great lives. So she's going to be sharing, and uh, also her husband, who is another favorite of ours, Tank. Actually, it's Craig. We call him Tank. Water polo player at six foot five. We call him anything he would like, as we often say. But Tank and Stephanie, we call the dynamic duo because uh, they love the Lord and they love people. And we often say Tank as a surgeon, uh, he was a trauma surgeon. When people have a need, he looks at them and he always said a prayer, Lord, use my hands in a way that can change and save a life here. So 
these people are special people. You meet them every week. You tell me about them all during the week on, on texts and emails. And I thank you for those, those words about them. So tonight, we want to share with you someone we've been praying for for about two months now. Uh, he has a wonderful admin and work co-worker in his office there, Jack Thompson, another really neat guy we've talked with. And we want to introduce tonight California State Assemblyman for District 6 here, Kevin Kiley. And uh, I've been following him. You probably have, too. He's done everything to help the people of California. He's talked about everything from uh, AB5 that would could kill 70,000 truck drivers' jobs trying to help the people this way. He's talked about... Uh, Saving a gas tax that could really help the people in the gas pinch since we have the dubious honor of the most expensive gas in the nation. So Kevin is up there struggling, fighting, and prayerfully marching forward. And now we're excited because we hope to introduce you right now and later later often in the future to the next California congressman. Let us introduce for you. And Kevin, we're blessed and happy to have you with us. You're in our prayers, sir. And we'll open up by simply letting, I'd like to let Stephanie and Tank say hi to you since they were in your district first. And then you share whatever you'd like, a few words, and, and we'll bounce back and forth with you. Anything we can do to support you and let you know just how many thousands of people love and appreciate what you do, and we are behind you. So let's welcome him to Raising Expectations. We're glad you're with us tonight. Small fanfare, but it means a lot. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> welcome to, to our show. And, and Stephanie and Tank, if you want to share a word, here's Kevin. We are just honored to have you on here tonight. It's kind of ironic because we listen, we've listened in for years to different things that you've done. So uh, for those of you that may not know, we moved across the country last year from Northern California to Georgia. We're right at the border of Georgia and Tennessee. And we actually were represented by Kevin Kiley. And we've heard you speak many times. We've seen you in our county. And I think we, um, the area that you represent is a unique area. We kind of bridge rural all the way into some city life, right? So you kind of have a, a unique demographic that you serve. And I'm I'm definitely excited to hear you speak and some of the things that have really been affected by the Bay Area and all these stay-home orders. And California really had, um, there were a lot of things out of individuals' control in the last couple of years. So I'm excited to hear uh, your perception of those things and what you'd like to, to do about it. And my husband had mentioned that we still have children and grandchildren in California, and we love that state. We were both born and raised there. As I know, you you went to Granite Bay High School, so you were kind of a rival of ours. Um, but we're, just, we're excited to have you on here. She went to El Dorado and uh, up in Pasadena. Yeah. Uh, first, we went to Ponderosa and Chico uh, yeah. Springs. So. Yeah. We're excited. We'd love to hear kind of your thoughts and what's going on in the area and what you'd like to see happen. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's great to have the chance to be with you uh, and, uh, you know, to, to connect with your, uh, your listeners and viewers. Um, you know, we've had uh, a real uphill battle here in California uh, for quite a while, uh, but it became, uh, you know, pretty much straight uphill over the last couple of years. Uh, as we've dealt with, uh, you know, just the sheer insanity of, of Gavin Newsom's one-man rule uh, and everything that that has spawned. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've been trying to uh, fight back in every way uh, that I can uh, as a member of the legislature, as a citizen, uh, as, uh, you know, someone who works with uh, a lot of different folks in our, our communities. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we haven't been successful in ending the state of emergency or ousting Gavin Newsom. Uh, 
uh, or even, you know, uh, causing him to behave in anything resembling uh, a reasonable manner. Uh, but what we have done uh, is we've started a pretty extraordinary movement of citizens uh, who have now gotten involved. Uh, many people for the first time, many people who were not even like Republicans before, maybe they were independents, maybe they were Democrats, uh, but are now seeing uh, what is at stake right now for our state uh, and for our country. Uh, and what we've seen is that, uh, you know, this movement has only continued to grow. Uh, and I think that it's really coming to fruition now uh, in this year's, uh, you know, political uh, environment. I mean, you've already seen in a city like San Francisco, they've ousted their school board members, they ousted their district attorney. This is San Francisco. This is the most liberal city in the entire country. And so if that's what's happening in San Francisco, then I think that demonstrates uh, the power of this movement. Uh, that has been built up. And uh, so I think it's a very exciting time uh, to be involved. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think that uh, we really have an opportunity in the months ahead here uh, to get our state and country moving in a whole new direction and to return uh, to really the principles uh, that have made America the greatest country in the world. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was, you mentioned Newsom, and I, I it immediately popped in my head that I wonder what the candor was around the office and the the representatives and everybody in California about his advertisement of Florida. Why, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I you know it, not, yeah, it's just yeah, crazy. It's, it is crazy. Yeah. It's I I uh, I know this is bigger than just your campaign, but I <clears throat> I. Obviously, in choosing to move across the country, I was very worried that we're just going very, very far left with the pendulum. But what has been starting to happen is momentum back. And I'm really excited about it. And I think kind of what you mentioned and people, if people in San Francisco are um, doing something, that's pretty profound because usually in that particular area that you represent where we live, they would be the last of the area to come on board with something like that. And I think it's refreshing because, you know, at the end of the day, um, people want to make sure they can pay their bills. They want to be able to get to work. They want to be able to get their food, you know, and a lot of those things are not happening right now. And so some of the, I, I call them, well, there's like a pyramid of hierarchical needs that you have. And when you get to some more of the social issues, those may be really important and nice, but if your basic needs aren't met, nobody really cares what you're screaming about at the top. Right. So I think for you, I'm hopeful that you're going to have some good momentum in that because people are realizing, wait a second, we're not even, you know, we're not taking care of our electricity here or water here or how I'm going to get to work. That, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. And, uh, you know, that's what uh, people are seeing in California is that the, the state is just falling apart because uh, of the failure of the government to, uh, you know, do the most basic of uh, things that we expect, like keep our communities safe from crime or our streets, uh, you know, uh, un, uh, uninhabited by homeless or, um, you know, uh, the, the cost of living from soaring out of control. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, not to mention, uh, you know, uh, conditions where you can go about and live your life and uh, run your business and practice your faith freely. Uh, all of those things have been, you know, just under siege in California for quite a while, actually, but uh, never more so than over the last couple of years. And people are seeing that for what it is and are, you know, many are leaving the state. Many are going to Florida, the very place that Newsom is now running advertisements 
Uh, and uh, we know I mean, everyone on this call knows people who have left in the last week. I mean, it's uh, it's really, uh, I think, a sign of the broad dissatisfaction that exists. But, you know, as many people as there are leaving, and I don't begrudge anyone who has left, <laughs> you know, I totally understand. <laughs> uh, there are still a lot of people here who are, who are you know, uh, fighting for uh, for change in California. And uh, hopefully you guys can move back at some point because, uh, uh, you know, I know that uh, you probably still, you told me you still have family here. Yeah. And people who leave, it's not like they want to, you know, people love California for everything that it has to offer. It's just that the politics are, are so rotten. Mm-hmm. Oh. I guess that brings me to one of, one of my questions. Uh, hi, Kevin. How are you? Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I have three questions, but I'll stick with two first. Uh, number one, uh, What's how? What does the future bode for California when you have so much, so many people moving out? Because not only in Florida, uh, here in Central Texas, there are there are thousands of them. Uh, matter of fact, I saw a a billboard that I thought at first was a joke, uh, but then I saw it again and found out it wasn't. It's a big billboard that says, "Don't Californize my Texas." <laughs> uh, and there, I think the last thing I checked on the uh, Attorney General's website. It was, I mean, Secretary of State's something like uh, 1,150 permanent residents a, day, a month, I think, or something like that. And somewhere around, I think it's 30 or 40 percent were from California. So, uh, so how does I'm assuming that those folk are moving here, and I'm praying to God that they are more conservative Republicans moving here and not the, uh, the nuts. <laughs> but I, I would say, I, that was my question then. So, how does that bode for the election process? Uh, going forward with that many people leaving? Because I'm assuming it's not the more conservative Republicans that are staying. Or am I wrong in that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's certainly unhelpful uh, that it, I think that, you know, among folks that, that are leaving, uh, there are quite a few who do so because they fundamentally disagree uh, with the politics of the state. But uh, that's not, you know, it's not entirely Republicans uh, who are leaving uh, because, uh, you know, the main reason people leave is is because they cannot uh, uh, cope with the, the consequences of yeah. the state's failed politics. Those consequences being, uh, you know, the the uh, unaffordable cost of living, the soaring pro- crime, uh, the out of control homelessness uh, and so forth. And so, you know, if you're someone who uh, is, let's say, a working class person, which is most of the people leaving the state, by the way, uh, and you just cannot afford to buy a house or even rent an apartment in California, and so you have to leave the state. I mean, that predicament could uh, afflict uh, Democrats and Republicans alike, which is, you know, uh, actually one of the reasons why uh, some people, you know, uh, don't want to have Californians move to their state because they feel like it's going to change the overall character of the state. And we see the same thing in Placer County, by the way. We have people who come from the Bay Area and move to our county, and a lot of times they're more liberal than our residents are. Yeah. Well, and I guess the second of the two, three questions is, so tell us, tell us your background. So state assembly, what, 2016 or 15, somewhere in there. And then uh, twice as assembly. And then you were uh, education specialist and something else. I, I, I forget. So give, give us, how about some background? Sure. So I've been in the state assembly for almost six years now. This is my third term. Uh, I uh, started my career as a high school teacher. Uh, I went to law school, was an attorney in private practice for a while, and then was a prosecutor. And uh, then I ran for the assembly in 2016. And so I've been fighting, you know, at our state capitol to try to uh, fix California's problems for the last several years. Uh, I'm running for the United States Congress this year, 
uh, there's an open seat with no incumbent. Uh, and I see this as, uh, you know, uh, a uh, the right move uh, at this time, uh, because everything that's gone so wrong with California, you now see it spread into the rest of the country. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see that this administration under Joe Biden and the Congress under Nancy Pelosi is trying to impose uh, failed California policies on the rest of the country. And that's the thing is if the entire country becomes California, like you were saying, then, uh, you know, uh, suddenly Texas or Georgia or Idaho or Florida uh, aren't going to be as much of an escape uh, from, uh, you know, the uh, the decline in quality of life here. So uh, that's why I'm running for the U.S. Congress this year is to make the case that California is not a model for the nation, which is what Gavin Newsom believes. But quite the contrary, California is a warning to the nation. I, I'd like to say something because you just downplayed yourself. He has, <laughs> two, he has two Ivy League degrees. He grew up in the community that he represents and that he's running for. And he could make a lot more, I'm sure you did in private practice, than he is in public service. So I would just like to say that because I think that's really important. There are times that we have career politicians or people you know, chasing things for the backpat and all that. And it's definitely rampant in California. And that is not something um, that you are. And so I just want to highlight yeah. that. Amen, Steph. Amen. That's good. Is yeah. you a campaign plant there, uh, Kevin? <laughs> I, I do have a campaign question, though, but I don't want to sure. take over. But I was looking at the seat that you're running for. And since 2016, uh, really, the the voting between Democrats and Republicans, it has gone Democratic, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. Do you have any, um, and I, I think you probably have even a smaller mar- margin because of what has happened over the last two years through all of California's lockdowns and all of that. Is there, are there certain areas that you are targeting or issues or places that you think you can make up where that small margin is to, to flip it to a Republican seat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you for the comments first. That's very kind of you. And uh, this particular district, uh, it's actually, uh, this is the first year that this district has been in existence uh, because the the lines were just redrawn okay. uh, in, uh, in 2020, or sorry, and uh, for, for this year, the, at the, after the census results come in, they redraw the lines. So, um, you know, you can still get a sense of how the district has been changing by looking at how the different pieces of it voted in their prior, you know, uh, the in the prior version of the map. And so uh, your observation is correct, though, that uh, this used to be, uh, you know, a uh, heavily Republican area. And now the the, the gap is much less uh, significant. Uh, there's about a five point difference, five percent difference. Now, uh, Republicans have a five percent advantage overall in voter registration. And so uh, that's not very much, and it makes it a competitive district. Um, so, you know, it is important to reach out to uh, decline to state independent voters, uh, to Democrat voters, as well as to make sure that Republicans get out uh, and vote. Uh, and that's kind of the core uh, of our strategy. And, uh, you know, I do think that in this particular year, uh, you know, the uh, headwinds are all facing the Democrats because it's their uh, abysmal policies that have caused, uh, you know, this just record inflation and the uh, deteriorating national conditions that have led, you know, uh, a record number of people to say the country is on the wrong track. Uh, mm-hmm. Inflation in particular is now uh, the biggest issue that people cite facing the country, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or independent. And so 
I'm focusing, uh, you know, very intently on making sure that we are going to have solutions ready to go uh, if I'm elected and if Republicans retake Congress. Another question for, uh, I have. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Take good. another one. Go ahead. Pulse up. So the, uh, the, the recall election, uh, as I recall, what, nearly five million uh, Republican voters in that in that election for a recall election. Any um, any residual holdover from that 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 momentum from that uh, that that recall election? Yeah, exactly. I think that that was, you know, uh, a key part of the movement that has been built uh, in California uh, for change. And, you know, the recall ultimately wasn't successful because Gavin Newsom spent over 70 million dollars to defeat it. Uh, But it was successful uh, in bringing that movement about, which has only continued to grow uh, in the aftermath of the recall. And so uh, and by the way, you also see the recalls in San Francisco and Los Angeles that I think never would have happened if not for uh, the Newsom recall. So uh, I think that, you know, by uh, most measures, the recall was an astonishing success, just getting it on the ballot with a record number of signatures, never in U.S. history have there been so many signatures. And the fact that they were able to spend a lot of money and tell a lot of lies and change the rules and everything else that they did to keep him in office, yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, but we accomplished a lot that I think, and that momentum is in fact carrying over now into 2022. Yeah, because he spent $70 million, that, that was a lot of momentum. There's a lot, you know, you see him in the news and not doing the rules and all the things that he instituted, but there's a lot you don't see. And he actually moved to the county that we moved from uh, to a heavily gated area. He wanted his children in the only school that did not mask and they politely declined. Like when, when you lived where we lived, we were, we were one of the more rural counties that was also very conservative. And he was literally trying to escape all of the policies that he had put in place. And there's a lot of those things you just simply don't hear. You know, you, you only hear when they're found at French laundry or whatever. And it's, it's really disgusting, honestly. And so it's, it's refreshing. We talk about this a lot on this show. We need uh, people to stand up running for political office is not an easy thing to do. It's a sacrificial decision, but we need conservative people willing to do it. That's right. Amen. Yeah, Paul, I, I, you got a thought there? Oh, I'm sorry, Tank. Go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. Go ahead, Paul. No, go, Tank. And I'm just. Okay. <clears throat> no, one of the interesting stats between Democrats and Republicans is who's really been in the trenches. And if you look at Pelosi and Biden and top leaders, they've never had a day job really in their life. Mm-hmm. And here's you being a great example school teacher, followed by law, you know. Man, that's that's, right. that's true of the Republican Party. Most like Trump. I mean, that guy was a business guy for how many years? But so they've all been in the trenches. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big yeah. difference. They just yeah. don't understand what people need, right? Well, I, well, I would say I, I don't. Uh, given my years, it's, I don't think it's a matter of, of not knowing. It's more of a matter of not caring, which is why they don't know. Uh, they just don't care. Um, I, that, that's just my take. Sorry. <laughs> now now I, they're starting to care. Yeah. Now they're <laughs> starting to care. Wait, now they're waking up. I run. Yeah, my, weird, my weird background is, um, uh, I ran for Congress three times, actually. Uh, I was a nominee the second time and, uh, my glorious party, uh, sort of worked against me the last two, two cycles, but I'm over that now. I'm over that. I won't mention it. <laughs> 
I, I, I was one of those candidates where the establishment said, no way, no way. Um, so, but here's my question. Are you married and kids or, because uh, I know the sacrifice involved and the absolute, I'll just takes over your life. So, uh, so what, what's your family life like and, and how are you, how are you, how are you weathering that? Uh, yeah, so I'm not married yet, but I do have two, uh, you know, wonderful nephews uh, who live very close to me. And uh, my uh, my family that I grew up with is largely still uh, nearby. My parents live a few uh, miles from me. And so uh, that's certainly very uh, fortunate and uh, and helpful and in, in, in staying grounded. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, has uh, they've been my, you know, uh, top uh, supporters and volunteers from the beginning. Okay. Well, good. If you're not married, <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but well, and, and even if you're not, at least the the person that you date will experience the life that you have to lead, and will be fully informed and consented as a physician. <laughs> Oh yeah, let, let, let me bring my wife in. <laughs> what, what was that? Tank, keep going. You're doing well. <laughs> yeah, the risks, the benefits, the alternatives have all been discussed. I was not fully contented. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. My my wife uh, to this very day uh, says that it's either her or or politics. So I cannot be involved in anything else. That, that those three experiences uh, just done my did my family in. So yeah, one of my big deep concerns with folks running for office, especially younger people. So that's why I, I chimed in on that question. But, but, but on one hand, it's sort of good you're not. You devote a lot of time, all the time to the office. Let's couldn't take that, uh, your uphill battle there. And I, I got to say also, getting through, going through the process, I got to say uh, I have a lot of respect and, and I praise God for what you're doing, man. Because uh, you, I don't think Thank most you. people have no idea how difficult, how much time, and uh, how much it takes to do that. Thank you very much. So I'll, I'll shut up for now. Paul, I know you. Paul, I know you have stuff written down to ask. Yeah, it's coming, I was, Paul. I can uh, see it. Thinking about Ron gets a double hit because uh, <laughs> politics and then pastoring. Way to go, Ron. Uh, <laughs> ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, a pleasure to have you. I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us, and I know folks are listening and are really interested to to hear. I, I'd like to kind of hear your heart and drill down. Uh, on in the area of uh, education, uh, you know, in California, I I read that your mother was a was or is a special education teacher, uh, where and you taught high school for a sh- short period, and then you've also been an adjunct professor uh, in in law law school. So you've had some real experience there. Uh, I want to couch it in a, a tweet that I read today. And I thought it was really fascinating. And the tweet says, and this was from Emily Hoven. She says, Gavin Newsom is headed to Washington, D.C. to accept an award in recognition of California's transformative improvements in education. What? Yeah, that was the tweet that that, that Newsom. Now, I I don't know how old the tweet is, uh, (laughs) but when I read about transformative improvements in education, um, you know, my brain just kind of went into a little bit of tailspin because that's not what I'm experiencing in Lompoc, California, you know, and, and, uh, and so I'd like for you to address that. If you could, your experience in education, how you view uh, education in California. Um, I know, and I read some articles today by Randy Weingarten, you know, who's the president of the American Federation of Teachers. And that was a crazy experience. Uh, 
to do that. But I, I just like to hear your heart, you know, because there's a lot of push. There's a lot of push going on, especially as parents are waking up and they're getting involved, you know, and, and asking those important questions. So how's education lay, lay on your heart? What do you see in your mind? What do you visualize? Uh, if, you know, how do you address that? Yeah, a great question. And uh, I'm, I, uh, it's unfortunate we're close to the end of our time because I, I, I have a lot to say on the topic, but I, uh, I just, um, you know, uh, it, it, the fact that that award would be given to California is like the most outrageous thing. And to Gavin Newsom, you get a chance to accept it as the most outrageous thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, you have yeah. a state that has been failing its kids by the million uh, that has enacted these corrupt policies totally uh, as politicians like Newsom, totally owned by the teachers unions that has about the worst education outcomes in the entire country that shut down schools longer than any state in the entire country. There's the biggest achievement gaps uh, in pretty much any state uh, in the country uh, and, uh, you know, continues to enact policies that take rights and choices away from parents, that take opportunities away from students. You have kids who are several, you know, grade levels behind where they should be on average. We have the highest rates of illiteracy uh, in the entire country. And Gavin Newsom is going up, uh, accepting some award. And by the way, he kept his own kids in private school, even when he shut down uh, mm-hmm. the public schools, like you were alluding to uh, before. Uh, I, I just, that was, that was a little too much to stomp, you know, uh, when I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I hear there's a passionate issue in your, in your heart there about that issue. Yeah. Well, we did, I, I did read that we that California came in 50th out of 50 uh, in terms of uh, in-person learning during the pandemic. I mean, we were That's right, exactly we were dead last, dead last. And so, uh, you know, what what are what are some of your ideas? What do you think about, for example, school choice, charter schools, et cetera? What what what's your position on that? Oh, yeah, I'm 100 percent for charters and for school choice. And, uh, you know, that's uh, what has proven to be the best tool to give parents and families uh, in order to get the education that's right for their kids. And other states that have embraced those principles uh, do a heck of a lot better, usually for a lot less money uh, than California does. Yes. Amen. Um, If I can follow up a question, I I, I went on your website and it's really it was informative and and. you made a statement or, or a statement was made or, or written down about how you would um, you would like to fight hard for because you said, uh, I believe this is a quote. I believe this country is worth fighting for. Amen. Um, do, are you are you and I know that there's a groundswell of a, a small groundswell of people who are willing to to fight back, uh, to stand up Um I was sharing with Joe earlier today, I, I, I read uh, one author who said the biggest mistake we make about power is to think that we don't have any. Uh, and, and you address the idea of we the people and some of the decisions that you've made along the way were pertinent because I, I sense that you were addressing the hypocrisy and the corruption uh, of, of, the gov- of government, okay? Um, can you kind of speak to uh, how you see, um, like, for example, our freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. Um, I know that those are guaranteed, right? But uh, they seem to be chunked away a little bit at a time until eventually we wake up and it's gone. So can, are, are there? Are you sensing that there are people in positions that can make decisions that can address those in a, in a positive way? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do. There are other people who are fighting like James Gallagher and uh, others here in California. Uh, we continue to be outnumbered, but I think, uh, you know, we have some wind at our back now for sure. Okay. <laughs> so let's suppose for a moment that you're, uh, and, and I, I hope this is so, you're elected to Congress, okay? And sure. I know that Congress has a way of isolating people that they don't agree with, okay? Uh, do you think, do you think, that as you go to Congress, that you can have, um, <laughs> do you, I guess the question is, are you willing to be a one-term congressman if you speak your heart? And, and Well, really- I'm going to fight, and uh, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to fight okay. for what I believe in and what I think is going to be best for the country and for my, right, okay. uh, my district, no doubt about it. Okay. And that's it. It's sad that that's one of, one of the uh, sad realities. Uh, you send good people there, and they end up being ostracized and isolated. Uh, but it, but at the same time, you have the Marjorie Green types who they're loud and they're vocal. And I think if Kevin, if you go there and you're fighting and and, and vocal, uh, even though you may not get accomplished things you want to accomplish, what it does though it, it influences and impacts people out here and, and raises up that little that groundswell. Increases. So, I'd encourage you to keep talking and keep pushing, keep fighting, no matter what results seem up front. Thank you. I appreciate that, and that's very encouraging. And I'm really grateful for uh, everything that you guys are doing to uh, to lift up, uh, you know, people who are fighting for the right things uh, here in California and across the country. Pastor Joe, did you see that Kevin Kylie needs to hop off? So I'm not sure if we want to get some of your oh. website or how to stay connected with you on social. Oh, you, no, I didn't see that. What's okay. your time like, Kevin? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had this scheduled for 6:30. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why don't why don't you tell us how, <laughs> how we can stay in the loop with your campaign and keep mm-hmm. track of you and everything? Get it all here. You share it. Yeah. Yeah, my website is electkevinkiley.com. Uh, and uh, it's just my name, Kevin Kiley, K-I-L-E-Y. And it's electkevinkiley.com. And yeah, we have a, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a grassroots campaign. It's driven by uh, individual citizen supporters. And so uh, if you want to check it out, would uh, would love to have you as part of the team. Right. And folks, you can call his office directly too at 916-774-4430. That's 916-774-4430. There's some wonderful people there that will help you. Any questions you might like to get to the assemblyman, our next congressman, <laughs> you'll get them directly from your call. I misunderstood. Thanks, Steph. Do you have to leave at 630? No. Yeah, I, I'm I, sorry. I really do. I unfortunately have another uh, engagement I have to get to, but uh, this has been uh, really, really fun. And uh, I, uh, I'm i really just encouraged by this conversation and I'd love to come back sometime soon. We'll get back to Jack. And listen, our prayers go with you and uh, we're telling everybody about you and uh, we'll send them to Washington ahead for you also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You bet. Right. God bless you, sir. You Talk to you later. Right. God bless. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. So since he had to hop off, could we talk about education in California a little bit? I just want to say from, from a mama of children, right? This is why we ended up homeschooling. There wasn't something that fit us. And I can just share from, from my experience living in that area. I had hundreds upon hundreds of parents calling me in tears 
saying, I don't know how to homeschool. This was not homeschool, by the way, it was purgatory. The teachers were not prepared how to teach in a virtual setting. These kids, it was just complete torture. And if you happen to be a parent that had to work out of the job, you know, out of the house, like all these parents, people were shuffling. It was a complete mess. And I'm seeing, cause I, I was reading his Twitter feed. They're still requiring masks on some of these kids in schools. There's like mm-hmm. nothing to support it. Uh, for anybody from California listening, your children are not an experiment. Your children are entitled to a good education. This is someone who understands what it's like to, to teach at the under, you know, the undergraduate and then also above levels. We need to take that back. They just passed something there, AB 21, that is taking even more away from the parents for what they want for their children. It's it's really disheartening. And I agree with him. You sh- If you live in a low income community or you are a single parent, a charter or an alternative school is your best friend. It is the best opportunity for your child. And they are trying to make them go away. They right. are. Yeah, and even the teaching staff that they have, yeah. Stephanie, we were talking about teachers in California. They're really not teachers. They're just, uh, there's a majority of them that are woke antagonists, and that's what they are. They don't uh, really know what they're teaching. We have a couple of teachers that uh, my sister knows, and she has a lot of music. She's pretty renowned in the music field. But she, uh, and they say they just can't believe it. So they're, we have like five charter schools in the Rockland area right now that have come up with Rockland Charter is excellent. Yes. But but the main thing is, as Arizona has given them six point five thousand a year tax write off uh, on on what they can do, you know, they're the same thing is happening uh, here. Oops, lost you. There you are. Yeah, that was impressive, Stephanie. I lost you, and I found you all back with one one push. Hey, you're talking good. But but anyway, the the the, um, the teaching. It's the whole educational system. There's a great thing you might like to watch on Fox Nation, and it speaks about the fact that we think we started losing our education maybe maybe in the 60s. They try to blame the, the boomers, you know, because we were pretty crazy in our generation. But it goes back 140 years. And when the progressive left progressives take it through, it's been a process all the way through. They've been working on this and waiting. So I don't think they're going to, to to pass anything that's going to fix a public school that quick. Good homeschooling, good charter schools. I would never put my 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 child in a public school. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn and I were talking about this today. I was about to tell him what a great homeschool teacher you were, Steph. <laughs> so, well, I wondered oh, when he said, I don't have much time to talk about this. And it was 28 after yeah. I thought, oh, well, I, I wonder if he thinks it's only a half hour. I want to circle back really quick about teachers, though. I I know a lot of teachers, and a lot of them are very disheartened because they went in to be creative and meet the kids where they're at, and then they're handed this stuff that is not what they went in for. And so a lot of the best teachers are leaving. Yes. And it's heartbreaking, right? So I just, there's every little step that we can do because our kids, our grandkids, they are the future and educating them well and properly is so important. And for California to be what, like the fifth (laughs) largest economy in the world, and then to be miserable in education, something is very off here and it's unacceptable. It's all about the unions, huh, Paul? The unions run the whole. Yeah. You know, I I think we, it's about power and money. And, you know, if you don't have students, you don't get the money. And if you don't get the money, you know, et cetera. Um, I, I, you know, I shudder to think, you know, and, and even, even, you know, from my standpoint, uh, 
even try to discipline a class today. Just try. Exactly. And and if you if you uh, I read where uh, one school district, if you roll your eyes at a child, they can report you for rolling your eyes uh, because they have been offended uh, yes. by your physical gesture of rolling your eyes and the student wins. I mean, that that's how it goes. So even even basic discipline in the classroom uh, is 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 a whole a whole different matter. Uh we, in our family, we have a, a, a we have a lady who teaches sixth grade, and the frustration level is so incredibly high. Uh, you get somebody that disrupts the class. I say, well, what what do you do? Well, I send them to the principal's office. Well, what happens there? Well, they either color or they you know read a little book, and then they're sent back to the classroom. But the problem hasn't been solved. The issue hasn't been addressed. You know, so. It's a, you know, it's a multi-level yeah. issue, you know, to deal with. And Steph, I hear what you're saying. My heart resonates with you know, with charter schools and you know homeschooling and et, et cetera, because it's just it's just it. Where do you put your hand in the bucket? You know, that's the question. You know, and you take your hand out, and the water settles. And have you been there? You know, that that's that's the thing. But I see hopeful things. You know, I see parents standing up and. Let me jump this in real quick. I'll Dr. Cintron just texted us. I don't know who said that. That was you, Ron. Excuse me, or Tank. But I'll, I'll, she'll throw this out there. She just texted in. They're watching. And uh, she said the, the science, there is a group called the Science of Reading, and they have posted teachers, the, the biggest mass exodus of teachers in California anywhere. It's absolutely mm-hmm. shocking, like yeah. Paul was alluding to. So, uh, but you know what? Uh, God's in this thing. What we need to do is what you all are saying. Take back those meetings. Take take stand up and then do not let woke shut you down and do not let this kind of thing happen. And it's going to be a battle. But in the meantime, don't sacrifice your kids while you're battling you need to put them in a school where they can get help and get what they need. And uh, if not, send them all to uh, Tank and Steph's house. You know, we get asked that a lot. We have a big basement. So, so whenever I'm looking for the news or like anything quick, I used to go to Facebook. Now it's Twitter. I have a Twitter, but I don't actually use it, but I can log in. So I was kind of streaming his Twitter earlier and he's pretty funny. He reposts some things, but he really likes to call Newsom out and Newsom said his number one priority. And he said it every year in a row is the homelessness issue, which uh, if you live in California, see Paul's laughing, Joe's laughing. Uh, it just continues to duplicate itself. So, you know, there's, he, did, he did say it was his number one issue to, you know, keep yeah. liberating it. That's, that's, you know, what? Maybe that's what he meant. Yeah. So <laughs> the dream lives on in California. He says the dream is back. Oh my gosh. When I, when I was recently in California for a locum's job. That's uh, like a traveling doctor. back from Healdsburg to Sacramento to visit my kids. There's this big banner that says, you know, and I, went, I also made a wrong turn. I ended up near the river. And this whole row of like brand new tents that's tested. Oh. And then the next time I drove by, there was this big poster on the on the freeway. They call that fentanyl camp. Yeah. Fentanyl camp. So apparently all these people, or not all, but a lot of them are addicted to a a drug of some sort, whether it's yeah. fentanyl or opiate or another. 
You know, Tank, we have the whistleblower with us, Dr. Nichols, uh, Georgette Nichols, and you probably, she's going to be with us two weeks. And uh, she's sent a couple of things to me. I'll get them off to you guys. But uh, we've been talking, and uh, she said it's, it's so rampant, stealing it from the hospital pharmacies, and these people have been fired, but they still loot it. They even put it on money. This one lady picked up a dollar bill waiting in line or five, and it was on that. She almost died if the husband had got her there. It just it was that quick. So, uh, and the cartel is doing, it's, it's just, we are really in a bad state of affairs. And, uh, but we need guys like Kevin Kiley to get, to stay behind him and, and to back this. Because you know what, there's going to be a, a red tide and stand behind Texas too. I mean, the border and everything wrong, what's going on. Boy, I pray for the, all the time. There's, there's so much. We are coming to the crest where we can see the light. And I think God's going to show us what's ahead because people are like Ron often says, they're doing something about it now. They're taking a stand. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there are more and more voter registrations happening uh, in mass for Republicans, which normally it's Democrats. So that's a big thing. But also I was listening about the Hispanic community, which is a a large community in California is really turning to more traditional because they're saying this isn't representing us. And so that's kind of why I was asking him about his districting. I didn't realize it had changed because the district before, I think, included more of the Bay Area, which is more liberal leaning. But there, you know, that a lot of the Hispanic community produces all of our, you know, all of the produce and everything. And and they're turning too. So I think we're going to see change coming to California. I'm very hopeful for that because yeah. I think anytime you go too far, it's probably not good. Bring it back home. <laughs> yeah. So I hope, I hope, I hope that's right. I really do. Because uh, at this point we're, we're almost a little too far with the age to, to bring it back. Um, and, and, and like you said, Joe, there, there has to be this, this uh, continuous rising uh, wave that gets bigger and bigger. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people the story about my experience with the Venezuelan firefighters. Uh, so we were in an area where we trained firefighters from Central America, uh, Mexico, and Venezuela mostly. And there was a stark difference between the Venezuelans who came to the States and the Mexicans or Guatemalans. Uh, everything about the way they dressed, the way they carried themselves was totally different. And in a lot of cases, they would come early and they would travel around and go see a certain sites and then come to the training and then stay a few days afterwards. And they stayed in hotels. And you would finally get to the point you talk to them and you realize they came from Venezuela and their cost of, and their standard of living was pretty much similar to the United States. And they made very good money. Uh, that was in the 80s. Uh, fast forward to the mid-1990s and Chavez got elected. And then fast forward another 10 years after that. And look where we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venezuelans did exactly what we're doing now uh, back in the, in the 90s. And mm-hmm. so, then, so that became a turning point where it didn't matter what the vote was, because now when you have control of the courts, and you have control of the political uh, precincts and everything else, it didn't matter. And that's what Chavez did. And if people think I'm crazy, but what's happening now with, with the Democrats both in the state legislatures and all, primarily in the Congress and in the White House, they are slowly trying to find ways to lock this thing down where they can't be challenged. That's one of the three things behind the whole voter, the whole voter act uh, they mm-hmm. want to impose. Uh, so again, there has to be a wave of people who wake up and understand it. Now, back to our issue of, the, of education. 
I think uh, you're right. I, I, I remember this, the, uh, the quote from Karl Marx, uh, Karl Marx, mind you, yeah. who talked about taking kids away from their parents and when they were old enough to, to function and then the state controlling them in their minds. And then there is um, Albert Schenker. Uh, Albert Schenker was a president of the American uh, Federation of Teachers. And Albert Schenker boldly said publicly that when school children start, start paying uh, union dues, that's when I'll start representing the interests of school of children. Until that time, I, he represented the interests of teachers and, uh, and administrators. Yeah. That was in 1950s, yeah. not, not just recently. So this, yeah. this thing has been going on for, for a number of years. And I, I, I'm glad that people are waking up. I, my prayer is, however, that pastors all over this country would wake up. Uh-huh. And be the voice in the, the voice in the in the marketplace that right. they're supposed to be, and they've abdicated back in the sixties and fifties. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't happen, it doesn't matter how bad things get. People are completely indoctrinated and blinded and deluded into not seeing and or seeing things aren't there because the voice of truth, those clear voices that helps them discern, are silent. And if mm-hmm. we don't wake up and get out of those pulpits into the streets. It will not happen. That's well, my great fear. They try to destroy every. Paul, did you say something? No. No. Anybody say something? If, if they try to destroy, it goes all the way back to Socrates on classical education versus education. We need what is their pedium that they use? And it begins 150 years ago here, but the whole shift has been no history, no rhetoric, no discussion of history, open discussion. There, there's no mathematics really taught. In fact, there's basically nothing being taught now except whether you're transgender, this, that, or the other, which I'm not going to open that bag up. We've got four and a half minutes. But the, the bottom line on all that is, like, we need to get the parents back with the children, like Steph said. Get the families back together like the pastor needs to do and support people to go into those meetings and say, we do not accept what you are saying, and we will not accept it. And I think there's a way, but you're right, Ron. We gotta, we gotta do away with that. So I've signed Paul up to go to all 50 states and meet each of the. Uh, he's going to address each of the groups, right? You got it, bro. Right? I leave tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, got- I'm, just, I'm just really glad, Ron, and, and I, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. I'm just glad history never repeats itself. You know, I mean, yes. There's nothing to learn from history at all. Okay. I want to share something with you really quick. This was from a, a, a girl named Marianne Gartner. Uh, she was in school in Germany in 1940. And this is a quote from her journal. She says, in quote, none of my neatly dressed, well-behaved schoolmates questioned the new books, the new songs, the new mm-hmm. syllabus, the new rules or standard script. And when the number of physical education classes were increased at the expense of religious instruction, the less studious and fast-legged among us were positively delighted. That was in 1940, okay? Yes. That, that, that was in the public school system in yes. 1940. And, yes. and here we are, not so different. And boy, I hear your warning too, Ron, and I, and I hope people you know, wake up. There is, a, there is a growing momentum, even in Christianity, of progressive Christianity, yes, which has just bailed out on 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 the on the solid uh, doctrines, you know, of the church, you know, yes. and they they have they have tied right into uh, the secular line in 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 what attempt? But anyway, I mean, it's it's in our own house, and yes. if, we if we don't pay attention 
uh, we're, we're in trouble. Well, we are in trouble because we're not. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a battle. It'll be a battle. Okay, who wants to give our quick spot for uh, money to pay for everything? <laughs> I'll do it. I don't know the link, but I can guess. Okay. Backslash. You can okay. find us at bcsradio.com. Backslash? Forward slash. Forward slash raising expectations. And there is a donate button right there. And you know what? It costs money to do this. We love to do this for you guys. We need and appreciate your support so that we can keep doing this, bring on interesting people, talk about the love of the Lord and just wholesome values. Uh, we love doing this, but it takes money just like everything. So a little bit could go a long way and we appreciate anything that you can offer. How about that, Joe? Many hands hey, man. hey guys, all in favor, say aye. Aye. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. That was great. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. Uh, she knows exactly what she's saying. And and uh, what a blessing. I, I'm blessed all over again. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Steph. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hearing that. And uh, we have, uh, we've got about uh, oh, 60 seconds. Anybody want to say something for 15 seconds? I'm going to wave us up. I'll end on a little bit of hope. So, I heard today about three ladies, I think it's in Texas, that were elected or nominated to the government. Uh, they're right. They've been accused of being far right because they're Hispanic. And uh, they believe in family. Amen. God. Yeah. And the ability or opportunity to succeed in life. Amen. Amen. Asked, Amen. You know, that question, that, that was an answer. So there's hope. Amen. Amen. Go, Texas. Hey, that's it. Hey, you're doing a good job down there, Ron. Keep them straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come horns. Somebody's going to say, Mom, what are they doing? What is that? That a bad sign? No, it's just, it's come horns. You're safe. You're safe. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in tonight. Boy, we're so glad you're with us. And we're so glad we're growing. We're excited to have you with us each week. And uh, we all want to say, God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. And have a great week. Stay cool. Central, Central United States is awful hot right now. And, uh, Ooh. Stay cool. It's very, very warm. And we'll see you next uh, next week, same time, same station. God bless you and keep you. And remember, listen to what he says, because God's got a plan. And you know what? He's got the best plan there is. Where do you plug in? It's really something. God bless. See you next week. Thanks. Bless you guys. <laughs> Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.